Trigger warning. The following episode contains references to gore, sexual content, human suffering, death, factual inaccuracies, several entitled people making light of all these things. If any of the aforementioned topics cause you discomfort, you may want to listen to a different episode. Period. End of sentence. Unless it's in your lungs. Or on your diaphragm. Ellipses? I'm Andy. Well, Doctor, I don't know. I'm just experiencing pain in my lower wumbo. I'm Sean. Hadn't, won't, wouldn't are not the contractions we're going to be talking about today. I'm Adam. Doctor, I'm feeling a bit hysterical. Surely there's something you could do for me? I'm Kelly, and this is Acid Pop. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Today, we're going to talk about the uterus. I don't have one of those. <laughs> I've got a meterus. <laughs> you know, I've never checked. <laughs> Get an x-ray for that one. <laughs> Etymology of uterus, it's from the Latin uterus, meaning sense. womb oh. or belly. Yeah. Oh, so we do have a uterus, my belly. <laughs> <laughs> and womb goes back to the Proto-Germanic wombo. <laughs> <laughs> Did you set it to Wombo? <laughs> Meaning belly, bowels, heart, and uterus. Tommy Wiseau's the womb. <laughs> That's why they always say, like, the baby's in mommy's tummy. Yep. Yeah. That's slightly more charming than mommy's Wombo. <laughs> I don't know. I can't get on board with Wombo. I, I really like Wombo. I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to use that on my wife later. Like, hey, baby. Is your Wombo hungry? <laughs> God. <laughs> Make sure you're recording. <laughs> For fear, the closest is probably uh, tocophobia, which mm. is the fear of childbirth. Yeah. Okay. And tokos is Greek for childbirth. Hmm. It's tokos Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> Two babies for the price of one. <laughs> We're going to hit the science very briefly. Pam. <laughs> the uterus is science. a reproductive organ where the fetus develops in humans and other mammals. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In humans, the uterus is about 7.6 centimeters or three inches long and weighs about... I've seen your baby. That doesn't sound right. (laughs) (laughs) We'll get into that. You cannot fit a baby in that. And it weighs about 60 grams or two ounces. Wow. That's pretty light. We're going to move on to the acid pop quiz. Mm -hmm. Good. I know so much about female anatomy. We're going (laughs) to do great. Is everyone familiar with the term cis? Uh, I, I know what it means, but not what it stands for. I actually someone, uh, don't know where the terminology comes from, but simply it's someone whose sex assigned at birth is the same as their current gender. Oh, yes. Okay. The only I know it in terms of like chemistry. There's cis and trans or chemistry terms. Ah, is that where it comes from? Uh, it has to do with like uh, like the same chemical can have like a part in the. I don't know. It's been a while. I was always bad at chemistry. <laughs> it's been a while <laughs> since I could. It has to do with like a part being on the same side or the di- or different side. Oh, that Something makes like sense. That. True or false? Some cis women are born without a uterus. True. Uh, I'm going to say true. Yeah, that sounds that sounds bright. You are correct. About one in 4,000. Oh, that's not super long odds. Yeah. 
Sounds pretty common, actually. So I'm starting here for a reason, which is I had to go to a lot of websites which were like your womanly uterus and the womanly powers that come from it. And it it got a little obnoxious after a while, (laughs) especially since like one of the first facts they'd list were some women don't have a uterus. So So you don't have that woman power. (laughs) Exactly. So just only have six chakras. (laughs) (laughs) It's just how we hit it at the top. Some cis women don't have uteruses. Trans women don't have uteruses. There are trans men with uteruses. There are non-binary people out there. I'm not here to tell you that a uterus is some magical female organ. That's not what we're doing here today. <laughs> is that the plural of uterus? Uterus? Uterods. Uterpod? Quick, get into the uterpods. We have to escape. That's what the baby so came out so cramped in there, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The uterus expands to an average of 300 times its original size during pregnancy. See, I'd like to say false because I'd like to think it's bigger. 300? If it's three inches, 300 times would be 900 inches. I thought she said nine. I thought she said three centimeters. Oh, oh no. Three inches, seven and a half centimeters. Yep. So I'm going to say false because it's not 900 times. inches across. But what about triplets? <laughs> Yeah, what about Octomom? So, hold on. You guys keep going, and I'll try and translate that down. That'd be 86 feet, or <laughs> so big about 20, uh, 24 meters. Hey, yeah, that sounds false. <laughs> I'm going to say true. It just doesn't need to. This is false, and they must be talking volume or something, because it's 500 times. Oh, okay. <laughs> you guys so thought I was dumb. 1, 000, Uterus volume guessing man. 1,500 inches. So the uterus grows to about 40 centimeters, or 14.9 inches. Okay, 14 is not 500 times 3. <laughs> That's true. Like I said, it must be volume. Yeah. This is not a word problem I've heard before. <laughs> These are cubic inches. And Cuban that- inches. It returns to its normal size within six weeks of delivery, which is pretty damn impressive, I think. Like a shrinky dink. (laughs) By one day post baby, it's already down to 18 centimeters or seven inches. uh, I ordered a one day post baby, but (laughs) (laughs) they didn't put fragile on the box. Oh, no. And I can tell you from experience that they push on your stomach a lot after you have a baby to see how much your uterus is shrinking. Like every hour. It's like they're trying to compact it for you. (laughs) (laughs) It's quite painful. If I remember at the time, you were like, man, that's nothing (laughs) compared to what just happened. (laughs) Go Uh, on, punch me again. On a relative scale, it was definitely not my largest concern. Hell, Doc, give me a Houdini punch. (laughs) (laughs) All right. True or false, some people have more than one uterus. Whoa. Gotta say true. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's chimera and stuff, so I'm going to say true. This is true. So the uterus develops when the fallopian tubes come together and sort of merge to form the uterus. And in some people, they don't come together. Each fallopian tube develops its own uterus. Ah, so you have like two kidneys instead of one (laughs) uterus. Wait, could you... I, you'll probably get into this. Could you have a baby in each uterus? In 2012, a woman gave birth to twin boys, each from a different uterus. Oh, weird. What a day to be alive. <laughs> they were super early, only 25 weeks, and wow. by a C-section, yeah. but they did survive. Oof. It's like having a duplex. Yeah. <laughs> they were named Pete and Pete. <laughs> you must be 35 or have at least two children to get a tubal ligation, that is sterilization, in the U.S., Huh. Ooh, that sounds true. I know there's a lot of weird restrictions on 
female anatomy just in right. general. I'm going to be optimistic and say false. Yeah, I feel like there's extenuating circumstances that would... It sounds true to me. Like, basically, false. from what I understand, the only question they ask when you want to get a vasectomy is like, are you planning on having kids later? Because, <laughs> dude. <laughs> okay, so this is false-ish. Hmm. So technically, any woman over the age of 18 can get her tubes tied, but finding a doctor who will actually do it is another matter. Huh. Most doctors refuse to perform the surgery on women under 35 or women with no children, even if you like sign a thousand documents saying you don't want children and you promise not to sue. I refuse to do this. You seem fertile. <laughs> Interestingly, they've done studies on women and whether or not they regret getting their tubes tied and women who have no children are the least likely to regret it. Yeah, that makes sense. Now that said, getting a vasectomy can also be an issue. But it's not quite as intense. Uh, for example, yeah. there is a Dr. Snip on the internet that I encountered <laughs> when uh, Googling around. But there's no Dr. Snip for uh, getting your tubes tied. There's no Miss Snip. <laughs> <laughs> and women on Medicaid are waited, required to wait 30 days after requesting uh, to get their tubes tied to get it done. And men don't have to wait at all for a vasectomy. So there is... Some... It's also way more expensive, I believe. Oh, yes. Much well, more. Yeah, but it's a surgery. Yeah, it's a like... much more serious ser right. surgery. Well, and I don't know a whole lot about it offhand, but for a vasectomy, is it isn't it reversible? It can or it can be, but it can it's be? like vasectomy is not too expensive. Reversing a vasectomy can be very expensive. Yeah, basically, they get in there and cut up your vas deferens. But would the would the other version also be reversible? From my reading, again, it's unlikely but possible. Hmm. Getting your tubes tied is more common than getting a vasectomy. Really? No, that's the truth. <laughs> Oh. You want to say, really? It's a statement. I'd like to say true. I mean, I've been considering I'll it. I'll bet it's true. Say it again. It's more common a for a woman to get her tubes tied than for a man to get a vasectomy. Oh, or, no, I'm going to say I that's think, false then. I think vasectomies are more common. Yeah. Vasectomies are more common. Sean? I'm sticking with true. Okay. This is oddly true. Yeah. Huh. They're harder to get, more expensive, more difficult to reverse, and more invasive unless you get one while you're having a C-section, but there are about 700,000 performed each year versus 500,000 vasectomies. I could see that being a popular time to get that procedure I, done. I can't wait to get a vasectomy. Yeah, like men really don't like getting their junk touched. <laughs> it's just like, you just stay away from there. Oh, I don't know. I don't know what, you, what kind of man you are, but I love getting my junk touched. Not with tools. Uh, but what? Nobody here uses the tools? <laughs> They call it a screwdriver. <laughs> Give me some Phillips head. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's just regular. Okay, short answer. What's the only proven natural way to induce labor? Time? Uh, <laughs> grapefruit? <laughs> to speed things up. Oh. <laughs> Gravity. <laughs> jumping? Yeah, jumping jacks? I don't know. Heat. I, I have no idea. Yeah, boil the baby right out of there. Sean, are you going with grapefruit? Grapefruit. <laughs> Sean knows. It's not grapefruit. It's also not no, pineapple, not which is a common one that they do suggest. It's nipple stimulation. Huh. I was, you know, I was just listening man, to a podcast actually. today that said that nipple stimulation can also cause depression in some women. <laughs> this is not just, you know, a little bit. It's like three hours a day of <laughs> nipple <laughs> stimulation. <laughs> And what it does is it releases the same chemical which causes the uterus to contract, which can rarely, and only if you're pretty much ready already, bring on labor. Huh. It releases a hormone called monotonin. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I think we're all familiar with the whole theory of the wandering uterus. Yeah, I was going to ask, sure. where's the hyster come from? <laughs> that comes from the Greek. Yeah. What? Hyster is what the <laughs> Greek word for uterus? It was, I don't have it down here, actually. Okay. But yeah, it was uh, the Greek was word for though. uterus is hist something. <laughs> Anyway, so wandering uterus. This was Hippocrates' idea that the uterus could roam around the body, causing just about any ailment a woman could suffer. <laughs> the most nomadic of organs. <laughs> it's got a bindle on its, I don't know, what is it, on its fallopian tube? What did the Greeks recommend as treatment? All kinds of stuff. Oh, if it's the same thing that other people recommended, then it's dirty, dirty doctors. <laughs> oh, man. I, well, I think that was later. I think it was like, it didn't like cold stuff i think so you ate cold stuff to get it away from your throat so i'm gonna go with that cold that stuff right i'm just gonna say stimulation because that's doctors yeah here boy, yeah, here boy. Doctors. i've listened to a lot of uh, a lot of sawbones and i feel like dead animals and manure often comes into play <laughs> uh, so let's just say cow pies <laughs> Just put it right near that vagina and let it sniff it. <laughs> I'm going to sprinkle a couple points all around for that. So one of the suggested treatments was sex. Um, the uterus was considered to be hungry for semen. <laughs> and it was wandering about on the hunt. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, like a come-hungry langolier. <laughs> on the prowl. <laughs> also suggested was luring it back into place. And to quote the Greeks of the time, it also delights in fragrant smells and advances toward them. <laughs> and it has an aversion for fetid sap smells and flees from them. So they would apply oh. sweet smelling objects to the vagina and Ooh. have the patient inhale something foul. Sure. <laughs> oh, honey, I'm sorry there's ants in your vagina again, but we need that honey there so we can have a baby. Yeah, I was going to say, nothing like smelling dog manure while there's a flower in your cooch. <laughs> <laughs> How many days is a woman fertile on average? Oh, man, I have no idea. Three. Just the three days. Wait, like their whole life? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Do a bunch of math. No, in a single cycle. Okay. Single One and a half cycle. weeks. So I'm going to say 11 days. I think it's five, but only three of them are like prime time. Only three of them count. Yeah. You guys are correct that there's three sort of best days. The possible window is six. Oh, that's close. Damn it. And... Considering we all grow up worrying about getting pregnant if someone breathes on us too hard, it's kind of weird to realize that six days is all you got. Yeah, it's a hard thing. I didn't really know that, actually. So it's the five days prior to ovulation and one day after. That's because the sperm hmm. can live up to five days, but the egg can only survive 24 hours. Yeah, go sperm. Woo! <laughs> hey, egg, you want to have a breath-holding contest? <laughs> <laughs> so what is a hysterical paroxysm paroxysm well hysterical is they're going to be talking about a woman acting any way that a man doesn't want them to <laughs> sure. hysterical peroxide it causes your vagina to foam at the mouth <laughs> your vagina's in your feet some sort of hysterical paralysis this is uh andy's earlier mentioned fancy medical orgasm ah <laughs> <laughs> The invention of the vibrator. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Another theory of the, for the cause of hysteria, other than the whole wandering womb, was that the uterus got a little too full of female seed, which needed to be released <laughs> through sex. It's like a bag of marbles. <laughs> and that's where we get corn. <laughs> and the solution was to go to the doctor and get a pelvic massage, <laughs> resulting in 
a completely non-sexy hysterical paroxysm. I don't understand. It's doctor prescribed. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't you get your husband to give you one of those? Why do you think you went to the doctor in the first place? Yeah, the, uh, the husband doesn't have a PhD, Andy. You know what the D stands for. <laughs> he doesn't know how to put the P in the HD. <laughs> what is plan B? It's a pill. It's, it's basically... It's like a morning after. Yeah, it's like a three yeah. times dose of a birth control, basically. Yeah. You got it. <laughs> what it is not is an abortion pill. Uh, yeah. I mean, it just makes you slough off all your uterine lining, right? The main thing it does is it keeps you from ovulating. Ah. And if an egg has implanted, it can do absolutely nothing about it. Yeah. But it is really reliable, up to 98% if it's taken immediately within 24 hours and up to 75% for 120 hours. But there's definitely... I take mine every day. <laughs> Just to be sure. You're not supposed to take that one every day. It's dangerous. <laughs> I don't think you're supposed to take it at all, Andy. Uh, <laughs> I have to go. <laughs> what is the endometrium? Oh, I should know this. Yeah, I feel like I've heard that one. Endometrium. So endo means inside. Inside. And metrium is... That's the entryway of the house. <laughs> yeah, sure. An endometrium is when Dr. Meacham is inside of you. You know, I wanted to make a similar joke. <laughs> From this island earth. <laughs> that is the... Uh, it's not the lining of the uterus. That's what I was going to say, is the uterine lining, but I'll just go with that because I can't think of anything else. An endoarboretum. <sighs> it's the... Placenta shield. <laughs> Placenta shield. It is, in okay, fact, well, the lining of the again? uterus. Oh, dang it. Yeah. Yay. The endometrium thickens during a person's cycle and then eventually sort of clumps up and sloughs off and then starts thickening up again. And that's what causes a period. Mm, fun. We'll talk more about the trouble an endometrium can cause later. Too thick, too thick. <laughs> So I figured we'd start with the obvious, which is babies. Babies. No. Babies. <laughs> or at least Ugh. the terrible things that can happen to you when you try to bring a baby into the world. <laughs> I imagine you've did some reading on this just for personal stuff when you were sure. having a baby. Actually, this is a warning to anyone listening who might be pregnant. You may want to skip the next few minutes because <laughs> I learned some stuff I didn't want to know. And I was glad I didn't know it before I had the baby. Oh, but you have such a <laughs> darling baby. <laughs> yes. And I would have been terrified. So the term generally used for people who die due to complications related to giving birth is maternal mortality. And worldwide, maternal mortality is going down. Yay. Even on the high end, it's just over 1%. That's so that's good. pretty good. And that's in Sierra Leone. But it's worth noting that while maternal mortality in the U.S. is quite low, like 26 deaths for every 100,000 live births, hmm. it's also the highest in the developed world. Yeah. Oh, really? Next down is the U.K. with nine deaths per 100,000. <laughs> so it's a big leap. It's also the only country in the developed world where deaths are going up yeah. instead of down. Weird. Is there a reason? Ain't yeah. nobody got What's time for that labor. <laughs> no one's entirely sure because, I mean, one of the things I'd heard is that we're really intervention happy, but there's countries that are more intervention happy on that list who have lower instances of mm. complications. I think it's our miserable healthcare system. <laughs> yeah. So people are 
Well, they yeah. get through the labor and then they give them the bill and they die of shock. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Should have oh seen my, my bill. That said, we do have C-section rates at more than double the WHO recommended rate of who? 10 to 15 percent. Oh, you. <laughs> We're at 32 percent. 32? One in three? I mean, yeah. I, yeah. Holy I, crap. I've heard that, that it, it's a weird thing in, in America where it's like, we're having a slight complication. Cut her open. <laughs> what can kill you? <laughs> Everything. So many things. Tigers. Uh, <laughs> falling off a roof. Breathing wrong. Too much water. Too few water. <laughs> According to Jeff Sessions, like three joints. <laughs> <laughs> Don't have to worry about him anymore. Oh, no. He went back to, to make EL fudge cookies. <laughs> So the big one is eclampsia. Yeah. A condition where high blood pressure leads to seizures and death. Uh, That said, they monitor for this one really closely, which makes it seem even more intimidating because they test you for it pretty much any time you go in for an appointment. And it can come on really fast is the thing about eclampsia. Preeclampsia is what they look for, which is like swelling and high blood pressure and stuff. But sometimes eclampsia hits even after the baby is born and without any of the preceding symptoms that you're looking for. Mm. But that one is a little abstract. Less abstract is a uterine rupture. (laughs) This one's super rare. And when it does happen, it's usually in people who've had a previous C-section. But it's exactly what it sounds like. It's like the scene from Alien. Your uterus splits (laughs) during labor. And the yeah. baby slides into the abdominal cavity. Ah, oh, it's oh, just no. like Alien. <laughs> it's just going to snuggle your heart now. <laughs> Did you like those kicks in your belly? Imagine that. <laughs> in all your organs. I'm going to wrap myself up in all these intestines. <laughs> I'm going to chunly the fuck out of your spleen. <laughs> so as you can imagine, this leads to extreme internal hemorrhaging Duh. and uh, potential death for both parent and child. Indeed, if the baby isn't delivered within 17 minutes by C-section, brain damage or death is likely. 17 minutes. So do these ruptures, they happen like on the same seam that the C-section happens? (laughs) Yeah. Um, So the most common thing is that the C-section scar just splits, which is why some doctors will only do C-sections for people who've had a previous C-section. Yeah, might as well. But there are cases where, like, the parent's just pushing really hard and uh, the contractions are coming too fast and the uterus just splits in half, which is, uh, ouch. (laughs) What a poorly designed organ. (laughs) Well, doctor should stop leaving that dotted line that says, if case of other C-section, cut here. (laughs) (laughs) Just tattoos it on there. You just got to perforate it so it's easier next time. (laughs) Fork. (laughs) Death isn't the only thing labor can do to you. <laughs> you could, for example, have the baby's head break your tailbone. Whoa. The tailbone? <laughs> yep. While you're pushing, just pushes a little too hard down there and it breaks your tailbone. <laughs> Snap. Or you could have your pelvic girdle split. I don't even know what a pelvic girdle is. So there's a, you're, like your two sides of your pelvis uh-huh. and there's sort of a, a muscle slash, what are those, tendony connection between them that can break oh so for the listener adam and i just grabbed the both sides of our pelvis at the same time Are you pushing it back together i just i had to make sure we're all as it was you can get a fourth degree tear which means you split from vagina to anus wow ah. oh yes i hear this is this is incredibly common that's called a cloaca it's not common to get a fourth degree tear it is common to uh, get a tear 
Yeah. So I didn't know there was degrees of tears. Yeah. And then it's common to get a tear. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe you'll just be one of the one in three who postpartum experience urinary incontinence for anything from three months to the rest of your life. (sighs) One in three? One in three. Holy cow. Okay. I know what you're thinking. Kelly, I don't want to have a baby. Surely I'm safe from uterus-related pain. Surely I'm too old to have a baby. (laughs) I'm pretty sure I am. (laughs) No. Damn it. I'm not going to go on and on about periods, or at least not standard periods, although they can really suck. But I'm going to talk about one of the things that can take a period that sucks and turn it into a murder scene. Turns it into an exclamation (laughs) point. (laughs) And the first one is fibroids. Fibroids are basically benign tumors that... Yeah, little nodules. Yeah. They develop in the uterus, and they're super common. That's ribbed for his pleasure. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Definitely not for hers. The statistics I saw about how common they were were a little confusing. One of them said between 20 and 80% of uteruses have fibroids. That's kind of a wide range. And that's a big window. (laughs) Usually, fibroids are completely harmless. They don't cause any pain. They don't cause any complications. They just hang out there. They're not a big deal. Like I said, they're super common. But? But in some cases, people either develop a ton of them (laughs) or the ones they have get huge. Your period looks like boba tea at that point. (laughs) Gross. And huge can mean anything from grapefruit size grapefruit to the 30-pound fibroid removed from a woman in India a few years back. (laughs) That's a big grapefruit. All right, it's not a contest. 30 pounds seems like... I think at eight pounds, you should probably see <laughs> That's what, like 12 kilos? In one of the stories I read, a woman described having 20 fibroids varying in size from the size of a pea to the size of an apple. Oh, man. She just had a whole fruit basket down there. <laughs> I mean, how bad can a few tumors be, right? <laughs> how, how bad can a few vagina apples be? <laughs> well... In one story, a woman described what she called a never-ending period. The longest she went without bleeding in three years was two days. That that one's called an ellipsis. She'd (laughs) regularly pass blood blood clots the size of a marble and sometimes as big as an apple. Wow. And that has to pass through your cervix. So it's excruciating. Wow. Did she go go to a doctor for her (laughs) vajapples? She did, but unfortunately, the treatment for fibroids is either their removal, which doesn't always work and leaves uterus scarring, or a hysterectomy. Yeah. So just get rid of the whole dang thing. It doesn't always, I mean, hysterectomies always cause infertility, but treating fibroids (laughs) doesn't always cause infertility, but it frequently does. Yeah. On the other hand, having fibroids can also cause infertility because they sometimes develop along the fallopian tubes and then the eggs can't get in. Man, that's a lot Just of clogging body up. fruit. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot more fruit talk than I thought there was going to be. <laughs> I, did, I don't know of any 30-pound fruit. 30-pound <laughs> fruit. Like, what, about, what about like a big watermelon? Oh, there you go. Is a pumpkin a fruit? I think so. It's got seeds. It's squash. Does everyone remember the endometrius? Or, yes. How could I forget? <laughs> the endometrium. Endometriosis is a term that I want you to be ready to connect to endometrium. Endometriosis is a condition where the endometrium grows outside the uterus. 
like down the street. I, I knew somebody that had this once. I've heard of this where you're like a baby can actually uh, latch onto a different organ. You're thinking about something related but different. Ah. So usually this means the endometrium growing on the ovaries or the fallopian tube and the pelvic walls. But in rare cases, it's been found on the diaphragm and in the lungs. Whoa. <laughs> That's a weird place Lung to babies. grow a baby. <laughs> you know, just in case. Fuzzy, fuzzy, fuzzy. No big deal. Just a bit of uterus lining in the wrong place. <laughs> but um, the tissue Until. acts exactly as it always does. Meaning that mm. as your cycle goes, it thickens and then oh, breaks down oh, and then tries to bleed out. Oh, but yeah. it doesn't have anywhere to go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm having one of them lung periods. <laughs> oh, God. I got the consumption. <laughs> so it causes cysts and bands of scar tissue that develop around the pelvic region. Even- Unsurprisingly, this is fairly excruciating. <laughs> People with endometriosis experience what can be debilitating pain during their period or all the time. Yeah. And that pain only gets worse because over time, the scar tissue just builds up. Yeah, you like level up and growing uterine tissue at somewhere. (laughs) And like I said, I used to know somebody that had this. She missed a lot of work. Yeah, I had a friend. In addition to the pain, endometriosis lowers your fertility. On the bright side, if you can get pregnant, your symptoms might abate during pregnancy, Uh. only to come back as soon as you have the baby. (laughs) Become Mormon. Have babies. And while there are some treatments for endometriosis, there is no cure. Yeah. Including a hysterectomy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because it's just all over the place. I just got all over uterus. You have to get rid of all your organs. <laughs> and as a bonus problem, it's really hard to get it diagnosed because you'll go into the doctor and be like, I have these extremely painful periods. And they'll be like, oh, you're a wimp. You're fine. <laughs> Silence, and they won't woman. look into it. And it requires surgical intervention to diagnose. So a lot of times people are just told, nope, you're fine. And it takes them years for anyone to take their pain seriously. Doctor, I have really painful periods in my lungs. (laughs) (laughs) This is normal. I'm going to call that one the question mark. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We're ready for some personal stories. Tell me all about your uteruses, my friends. I can't tell you about my uterus. I can tell you about my mother-in-law, who is the queen of not getting anything looked at by a doctor. Yeah. My mother-in-law has had a hysterectomy. I... I do not know the reason why, but she did have a period for an entire month. Wow. Until finally, my wife's, hu- not husband, I woke up. No. <laughs> my wife's father woke up and the, ste- the sheets were basically like godfathered. Uh. And he brought her in and they were like, yeah, this uterus has to come out. She's going to die unless we do this. That's And terrifying. she had been hiding it the whole time. Great. Yeah. I know people who have had to go in to get basically blood transfusions because they nearly bled out during a period. (laughs) It's so fun having a uterus. (laughs) I think my only uterus story is that I, if you haven't picked this up already, am not a worrier, but my, well, pretty much everybody else I know is, and my mom is, and she once was diagnosed with some sort of, uh, I, I forget what exactly, but some sort of, ovarian cancer and so she had to have a hysterectomy but she didn't want me to worry so she didn't tell me that any of this was going on Ah. and then like she told kelly's dad and then kelly's dad asked kelly (laughs) how my mom was doing (laughs) and she's like 
I don't know why. And so like I found out like fourth party that my mom had a hysterectomy. Oh, so your your mother's pretty much like my my stepmother where I don't want anybody to worry like, okay, but you're dying. <laughs> like, oh no, I stepped on a rusty nail. She stepped on a rusty nail and then just walked up like, oh no, it's infected and I might have tetanus, but I don't want anybody to worry like, bitch. <laughs> Now you might lose a foot or something, and it's because you were like, nobody's, nobody's It's fine if you don't want anybody to worry. You should let the doctor worry a little. (laughs) You know what I actually learned is that tetanus doesn't, isn't actually any more likely to be on rusty nails than anywhere else. It's just a, that's just a myth. Hmm. But it is just around, so you can just get it. Step on rusty nails now. (laughs) Adam and I are going to go rusty nail stomping after this. Well, I had a baby. That's true. You don't say. What? (laughs) I thought you kidnapped a baby. (laughs) Honestly, I had a super easy pregnancy and a super easy sort of labor. <laughs> um, so I don't have any terrible horror stories to tell. But I mean, the first thing which we almost hit on earlier is that we went the midwife route. And the reason we did that is because they tend to be lower intervention than going the medical. Well, it's all medical. The obstetrician. Is that right? I believe so. Yeah. Uh, route. And I didn't want to have a C-section if I didn't need one. Which is fair. We had a, we did this thing called centering, which was like us and like nine other couples, I think, that were all t- like, so instead of going to the doctor independently, we all went as a group for like two hours. And then all the women got like their individual checkups. But then like, we just sat down as a group and we could all ask questions or whatever. And uh, after everyone gave birth, we all came back together and it was crazy. Like in our group of 10, I think four people ended up having a C-section. Yeah. One person was like, just like, I'm just going to have a C-section just from day one. They were just like, just schedule it right now. But the other three, like stuff went wrong. And so they had to go do a C-section. And I just like, we went to a midwife because it was like, they're, they were the least likely to perform a C-section and still like 40% of our group had a C-section. Wild. So the only really interesting thing about my labor is that it lasted 46 hours. Yeah, I heard that. You guys may remember you were actually live with Sean while I was in labor. What well, we we heard you we heard you breathing hard. Like, should you take her to the hospital? I was like, yeah, she's fine. <laughs> it really was funny because there's all these signs of labor, and it's like when you hit these certain milestones, that's when you go to the hospital. So Kelly had pretty much hit all the milestones. So we went in and the person that we saw was basically like, yeah, on a scale of one to 10, you're at like a two. So even though you're in excruciating pain, why don't you go back until the pain is about four times worse? Jeez. (laughs) Yeah. So the thing they check is how far your cervix is dilated. And I went in after day one of pain and they were like, "Uh, you're at one centimeter. We won't admit you until you're at at least five. So leave. And that was Saturday. We'll get out of bed for at least five. We got home and got the stretchers. (laughs) So I went back and spent all of Sunday in even more pain. And that was when you guys heard me hissing in the background while you guys were playing Smash. (laughs) Speaking parcel tongue. (laughs) (laughs) And I wasn't planning to go back in. I was already scheduled for an induction on Monday. And I was just figuring Monday I'll go in and get induced and that'll happen. But Sunday night around midnight, I started bleeding. And uh, that can be a bit scary. And it's one of the things they tell you to call about. So I called. They asked me to come back in. I went back in. And this time I was at five centimeters. So they welcomed me to the hospital. (laughs) Come on in. (laughs) No rush or anything. I had all these plans for how the next step was going to go because 
I really didn't want to get an epidural until I really needed it because I wanted to be able to get up and move around. And like they have a birthing ball, use the birthing ball. They have a tub. I wanted to use the tub. All the midwives were really strong about how much better you'll feel when you get in the bathtubs. Like they mm. were like, hold it until the last moment because it's going to help so much. Just wait till you try the birthing shower. <laughs> <laughs> I love the birthing ball where you dance around and babies are just plopping on the floor. <laughs> but what I actually did was collapse into a chair, close my eyes, and sit there for about five hours. Yeah. She was basically like a robot and somebody hit her off switch. Like she just powered oh. down in the corner. <laughs> and it was funny because like I, I know Kelly and I know when basically she's checked out. And there were like, you know, there was the midwife and the nurse and some other people and like, you know, a contraction would happen. And they'd be like, you're doing great. Just keep going. You got this. And, and like she she can't hear you like <laughs> you can <laughs> you can just save your breath because like she's not getting any of this. And they're like, they gave me this weird look. And while all this was going on, Kelly's mom showed up and my dad showed up. And then like, you know, Kelly would open her eyes sometimes, but mostly she was just shut down. And then finally they gave the epidural. and She's like, oh, mom, when did you get here? <laughs> it's like yeah, a couple hours ago. Yeah, but for anyone expecting listening, that bath isn't worth shit. <laughs> it does nothing. What if you put Epsom salts in there? It was funny because that was the final straw. Like she'd been, you know, dealing with it. She's finally like, okay, that's enough. Let's try this bath. And like we got her in there and she said she, she just like sat frowning in a puddle of water for about five minutes. And there's been like, this isn't doing shit. <laughs> so I finally call for an epidural. I, I wasn't trying not to get an epidural. I wanted an epidural. I just wanted to wait until I needed it. And the guy comes in. I don't see him. I'm sitting with my eyes closed. And as far as I've been told, he moves like a robot threading this tube into my spine. And he kept on saying things to me like, okay, a couple more pinches. I'm going to do a couple more shots. This might be uncomfortable. I'm like, I'm having contractions. Nothing you're doing can add to my pain right now. It's not even registered. <laughs> Fuck your pinches, wussy boy. <laughs> But then the epidural started to take effect and I could see again and I thanked the nice man who I hadn't greeted at all. And they checked me and I was at nine centimeters, which is about as far as you can get before not being able to get an epidural anymore. Because once you start pushing, you can't hold still enough hmm. to get one. So I was at yeah. like the last possible moment to get one. And boy, was I glad I, I tapped out in time. <laughs> And then, yeah, an hour and a half of pushing and suddenly a baby. It was uh, a little weird feeling a baby come out of you. I don't know how to describe that <laughs> sensation. It's very strange. I mean, that last part where the baby actually shoots out. It's like this pressure and then like this flopping. It was weird. <laughs> oh, that was me like, passing out. <laughs> well, you were fine the whole time. <sighs> Sean was in the fainting room. No, Sean was catching. <laughs> So as far as the being split and being incontinent thing goes, <laughs> we have family dinners with my family every Sunday. I don't like where this is going already. <laughs> Somebody challenged me to do the splits and now I'm incontinent. <laughs> no, I've, I've been told by pretty much every female member of my family that now if they laugh too hard, they pee themselves. Oh, yeah. Because they just can't control it. Hmm. Yeah, that's really, really common. I actually haven't. Again, I was really lucky. I had an easy. I was also obsessive about Kegels which is what they recommend to help with that. And I didn't tear. So I haven't had that problem. And it was like one of my big fears of childbirth. So I'm very, very grateful. Yeah, there, there's nothing like hearing your 79-year-old mother being like, yeah, you make me laugh too hard. I just piss my pants. <laughs> Fantastic. Just a little though. <laughs> Everyone ready for what are your morals worth? I don't know where we're going. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Oh, I'm excited to see. 
So. So. I feel like most things you could suggest, like, we won't be possible for us to do. <laughs> We've done time travel before, gentlemen. Okay, sure. <laughs> Payment for, for a surrogate in the U.S. runs about $50,000. Hmm. Assuming a magic wand that allows you fair gentlemen to serve as surrogates. I'll be like, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. What are you charging to bring a baby to term? Hmm. And 50,000 is the going rate? 50 in the US. Yeah. Am I the first person to give male birth? <laughs> no, you're not going to get any special acc- accolades <laughs> about the, for this. I guess 50,000 then. Oh, I don't know. That seems nice. like not enough to I'm me. I'm going to be a mother. You don't get to keep the baby. <laughs> you're a yeah. surrogate. What? Someone <laughs> is help paying you to carry their baby to term, and then they're taking the baby. I'm you, going to have to have a C-section. That's... That's an awful lot of trouble for somebody to go to. <laughs> so they're, they're covering all the bills, right? They cover all the medical bills. Although if you have like a chronic condition afterwards, I don't think they're paying for that. Yeah, well, it's not it's not coming out of anything I got except my stomach. So, <laughs> um, Except my tummy. Yeah, and I, I assume they're going to take the uterus out with it. So I think I'm going to be fine. Yeah. I, I think I'll cut Andy's price. I do 45. See, I'm going to have to go higher, yeah. I think. Like I said, that's an awful lot of trouble for somebody to go to. I want to remind you that there are nine months of discomfort that lead up to this. And the last times you guys had to be sick for 100 days, you were pretty whiny about it. (laughs) But I've been sick. I've never been pregnant. Kelly, I'm totally on board with this. Like, that's not something I really want to go through. So you're the only one that can speak from experience. Was that experience worth 50,000 to you? I would charge more. Yeah. I I mean, I'm going to weigh in, too. Yeah. I will, and that's with keeping the baby. I would, I'm doing the going rate, and that's just because I'm not special. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I'd have to go higher, like maybe even double. Ooh, I don't know. For that one, I expect a natural birth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine ever agreeing to do this. The emotional trauma of it would be pretty intense. You can't help but get connected. Your your hormones are doing it for you. Yeah, but. Pretending that I would, yeah, I would go through that again for $50,000. <laughs> the nausea and then not being able to walk or move or constant pain and then contractions, which are not fun, 200000 Wow. Yeah. As someone who's done it before. Yeah. And Adam's Ow. dick is going to split open like a demogorgon. <laughs> my mind. Because I told you it had to be natural. I am not your it. surrogate. You don't get to make the terms here. No, it's you're, you're carrying Alex and not Alex and my baby. <laughs> Have you seen somebody squeeze a banana from the bottom? <laughs> so, dear listeners, how much would you charge? Tell us in a comment or come to our subreddit and join the conversation there. We'll see you next time. Thanks to my co-hosts and thank you so much for tuning in today. If you would like more information about today's episode, check out our website at acidpoppodcast.podbean.com. You can also find us on Twitter at acidpoppodcast and contact us at acidpoppodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to like, subscribe, and give us all the stars you can. Stay safe out there, and we'll see you next week.